Hi everyone, I hope you're well. Welcome to the next episode of my podcast. I just want to give a little note at the beginning just to let you know that I'm very aware that there's a little bit of feedback in this episode on the microphones. Now I did try my very, very best to edit that out when I was in the editing process and I was on Google trying to understand how to make it make it sound better but unfortunately there's not much I could do because it was already recorded. Now they did suggest to have a pop filter which is a foam cushion on my microphone but I already have that on my microphone so I'm not really sure how this happened. So um, the only way I can really improve it is if I turn down the volume, which of course isn't going to help you, the listener, if I turn down the podcast episode. So um, there is a way that I can actually prevent it from happening again, but I just wanted to let you know that, yes, I am aware that there's a little bit of feedback in the microphones, but um, hopefully you'll be able to look past this. And yeah, it's a really good, like it's an amazing episode with Aoife and it's very insightful. So I hope you enjoy. podcast episode. My name is Ailish and I'm joined here with the lovely Aoife Abushakra who comes from my own home county Kerry in Listowel. She is a mom of three and she teaches IB English Literature and she's been here in Abu Dhabi for the last 10 years. Yes, so Aoife, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I'm very excited to be a guest. Oh, I'm so happy you're here. And this was on my list for a while now. So I'm so happy you agree. Thank you so much. No problem. So I suppose we may as well speak about how our paths crossed to mm-hmm. begin with. Would you like to share? Yeah. Um, so we but we have kind of a similar story in how we got to the UAE. Um, I won't name the school, but we both were... You came about a year, 18 months mm-hmm. after me to um, the school in Abu Dhabi. Um, we were both fresh out of college when we came here. Mm-hmm. I was 22, uh, you were 20, so I met you briefly. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I was in the school about three months, for your first three months, and then I, I left um, yeah. to go back to Ireland for a couple of months. But um, yeah, we've been in touch on social media since. Yeah. The Irish community is very strong in Abu Dhabi, mm-hmm. and yeah, I'm so excited to be here today. So Aoife, tell me, when you hear the meaning of Novatoriant, mm-hmm. which is to seek or desire a powerful change in your life. Mm-hmm. How can you relate to that in your life? I don't know if I was seeking it. Mm-hmm. It just kind of happened to me. But I think, um, similar to you, we both moved early 20s. It's that time of your life where everything you're finding out who you are, mm-hmm. things are coming together. And boy, did I go through a lot of changes when I came here. Yeah. So I came to Abu Dhabi actually originally for six months. I'd planned to come and then go back to do my PhD. I'd been accepted in UCC. Wow. Yeah, but it was the time of the recession. Right. And um, actually, I was thinking this morning about this. I remember at my graduation from my master's that they had some guy, I don't remember his name. That's how much of an impact he had on me. But I remember him speaking and saying so negatively to us you're graduating 
at the worst time, there are no opportunities for you. Like it was not what you need to hear at a graduation ceremony. Just reminding us of, of how difficult the real world is that we're going out to. Oh. So I just left that graduation ceremony thinking, wow, where's the motivational speaker? So Trinity College had Will Ferrell once, I think. Why UCC? Oh. Come on. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I then heard of some people coming here yeah. and you know what it's like they say Dubai and they sell you on that idea yeah. and to be honest they're so ignorant geographically about this place I really thought Dubai was a country yeah um so I heard about that and I was like that's many interesting others. you're yeah. not alone there okay thank yeah. you <laughs> a lot of people would have thought that. <laughs> thank you still people it. still think of it oh, as a yeah. country yeah yeah um so I remember thinking that might be a good option for me to save some money and then come back and mm-hmm. do the PhD so it was I, I applied to, I won't name them, but an international chain runs with rabbits. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and I was told they had a position in Oman, in Muscat. And I was like, okay, well, that's the kind of part of the world that I was planning to go to. It's six months. Let's see what happens. And so I got accepted to work there. Mm-hmm. And I was waiting around at Christmas time at home. Um, they said my visa was processing. And I had all my bags packed. I remember so vividly, I was sitting in the living room of my mom's house in my pajamas, watching Oprah. Right. <laughs> um, and I got a strange number pop up on my phone. And I'd forgotten, but a couple of months before, I'd given my or sent my CV to um, a, f- a friend of a friend. And um, it was a call from Abu Dhabi, and there was an Irish person on the, the line. No it's like, way. how are you, Aoife? Um, <laughs> you know this person, too. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yes. I was like, hi. Um, it's like, um, would you, are you still interested in coming to Abu Dhabi? I said, well, I've just been offered a job in Oman. I'm actually just waiting for um, the visa to come through. And it's like, oh, you don't want to go there. It's not as fun as Abu Dhabi. Oh, wow. Uh, I said, uh, what salary are they offering you? And it's like, oh, we can give you a bit more than that. I mean, it wasn't a lot, um, yeah. but coming out of college, anything, of, is, anything is, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I have a job. Um, yeah. So this was Friday morning. And by the time I had hung up on the call, um, they were booking my tickets. Wow. I remember calling my mom at work. It's like, mom, I'm going to Abu Dhabi on Sunday. No. Sorry, Saturday night. Yeah. Yeah. We have to drive to Dublin on Saturday. Oh so, my gosh. Because I, you know what? I don't know if it's just me, but. I feel weird answering unknown numbers. And I had this thing where I just won't answer unknown numbers. But something in me was like, answer this call. It might be important. That call, like... Changed your life. My whole life. Like, I... Wow. If I'd gone to Oman, I may never have met my husband. My yeah. kids wouldn't be here. I might not have become an international teacher. I might have hated teaching KG in Muscat. I may have gone back and done my PhD. It would have taken yeah. me in a different direction. Yeah. And I'm very grateful for the direction mm-hmm. it took me in. Um, but yeah, that was the start of it. Just spiraled into it. And um, because it was January, it wasn't the start of the school year. So mm-hmm. I was coming in, replacing someone who'd left. Um I was thrown in the deep end. I remember going to the zoo my second day of work. For a trip, a school trip. Oh my God. <laughs> I actually went back to that zoo this week. 10 year reunion. Which zoo was it? Emirates Park Zoo. Oh. It was called Kids Park Zoo at the time. And no. it was not what it is today. Okay. Um, and suddenly found myself responsible for like 28 seven-year-olds and you didn't know who they were i couldn't tell you abdul rahman from abdullah i didn't know 
I, oh I swear God. I almost lost a kid, but thankfully everyone you survived the zoo trip. Um, and I bonded with the kids that day because yeah. I think they had a bit of, you know, teachers coming and going. And oh, I remember one yeah. little girl was crying because her teacher was gone and it's like she stuck with me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I at that point, I wasn't in here for the long haul mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. I was it was just an experience. And then, um, so could, do you mind just rewinding for a moment? Yeah, like, yeah. Ha, ha, like, what happens when you're telling your mom, I'm leaving in a day? <laughs> when it went from, you're just kind of chilling and waiting. Like, yeah, I think it was like, I was expecting to go like any moment. Yeah, you were ready. But it was like, this is a change of plans. And I guess, yeah, I was kind of selfish when you're 22 not to think, oh my God, what will my family yeah. think? But they, they knew I was going. Yeah. So I think... Um, yeah, either way, it was going to be a big adjustment for everyone. Mm-hmm. And me saying, I'll be back in six months, not Made it a 10 years easier. later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, famous last words, right? Yes. Yeah, the amount of people who come here and say, I'll do one or two years, and I still see them. I know. It's quite funny. It becomes home. It's very easy to feel at home here. It is. I'm very grateful for like the opportunities that I've had here. Um, I think it's come a long way in mm-hmm. 10 years. It has. And... Um, I think I've been I've been lucky, not lucky, blessed because I've you know met many great people over those years, and mm. I guess my husband is one of them. Yeah. <laughs> so do continue your story. Uh, where was I? So you had just had the school trip on your second day in January. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I you know I was surrounded by a lot of Irish. Um, mm. We lived together. We lived in Masafa, which was I remember my confusion when the bus pulled up there in my first night. Um, I knew one person, um, she was a friend of my friend's older sister, so she was also from the stall, so she took me under her wing, um, and I remember, like, one of, I'm so embarrassed by this, like, one of our first trips to the supermarket, I was so, like, oh my god, where are we, I'm so lost, I don't know what to do, I was literally her shadow, <laughs> like, walking right behind her, like, where do we go now, where do we go now, what yeah. do I do, I must have driven her crazy, um, so, yeah, I, it takes time to adjust. Mm-hmm. I remember going to Lulu supermarket and being like, where's all the food I'm used to? What do we do? Straight out of college, could barely cook for myself. Yeah. Like, oh, I remember ordering a lot of butter chicken from this Indian place in Masafa. <laughs> it was good. Yes. It butter chicken good. is a good reliable. Um, I think when you move here, and yeah, I'm talking about the expat experience. I hope that's yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, um, go for it. I think it still applies today. It's mm. good to have... Um, people who understand you mm-hmm. and that um, have been through the same thing and can talk you through whether getting your driving license or yeah. getting a phone mm-hmm. I think that I say I moved here alone but I you know I moved in with girls Irish girls who were in the same situation they've been there a couple of months yeah. before me and I'm still friends with them to this day oh. um so that that's really helpful I mean I'm not going to play a small violin for myself and say oh it's so hard I came here by myself which Mm. some people do Mm. like literally Mm. um because I made friends fast because Irish people you know what we're like we're very open we're social and did all of that for my first three months at least Mm. and um I remember being told oh you know like some girls have Arab boyfriends you don't want to do that I was like oh I'm never gonna have an Arab boyfriend I'm never gonna have a boyfriend here I'm here for six months yeah Famous last words. Wow. <laughs> and then you met. I met Zaid. Zaid. And again, this was one of those freakish, um, fate-destined things. Okay. I don't know if it sounds cliche to say that. No, I love all that stuff, girl. You're, uh, you're like speaking to me, girl. You know, when you're not searching for something, it kind of finds you. Mm-hmm. I totally believe in faith and destiny. 
Oh, absolutely. Um, so the weekend before I met him, I was, um, oh, and this is another lesson for expats, I think. Expand your circle. I think mm-hmm. Irish people, we tend to be very like, okay, let's stay safe and hang out together. Mm-hmm. I have learned so much from having friends from other cultures. Yeah. And this is a melting pot of cultures here. Yes. You are never going to have this kind of opportunity again to meet people from all weeks of life. Um, so I was friend with, friends with a South African girl who also worked in our school in, in KG. And she, by extension, had a local friend um, that you probably met, Faisal. He's the first Emirati stylist. Yes, yes. I remember him. Yeah, I remember he's we wonderful. went to like some house party. With yeah, him. you definitely were socializing with Is him. Is he still here? Yeah, he's the first Emirati stylist. He's doing really well. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I think his name is Fanan on Instagram. I was talking I'll to him the other day. I'll have to look day. him up. Yeah, he's You're great. Still you should have him on him. the podcast. Yeah. Oh my god, I should. You should, absolutely. I haven't seen him since like my first year now. You need to get in contact with him. Oh my god, that's brilliant. Anyway, so um, I was out in Abu Dhabi with my my South African friend with Faisal and um, some other people and um, that night he said oh next weekend I'm going to Dubai to to go watch Faithless at Atlantis I was like oh that sounds cool and I gave him the money on that night of course didn't have a memory about the next day Um, but um, then we went to Faithless and um, it turns out that my husband he's he doesn't really, he wouldn't really go to big social events like that. Mm-hmm. But he had made a pact with a friend about three weeks before that, that they would not turn down any invitations and that they would go to everything, to everything, to try wow. and meet new people. So he went to, he, he accepted an invitation to go celebrate someone's birthday there. And um, he doesn't drink, yeah. but he was there socializing with them. I, I was drinking. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> Um, the, the story would probably be a lot more romantic if I hadn't been. Um, but I went with my friends and he went with his friends. And um, at some stage of the night on, on the beach, a very nice location, I was having pizza and I sat down like on a sand dune or a slope. Mm. And I just turned to my right and he was there. And I, being very social, was like, do you want a slice? Oh. And that's how our discussion started. And he noticed my accent, which was a lot stronger than it is now. Yeah. I said, you're from Ireland. I was like, yeah, I am. He was like, that's so cool. I'm from Palestine. I was like, oh. Palestinians and Irish really bond. Oh, my God. You know, I, I can't is... tell you how similar our cultures are. Yeah. And people are. might say, oh, it must be difficult. Or what are the challenges of being mm. part of a multicultural um, family? There, there have been none. Honestly, wow. because it's the family is so important to them. Mm-hmm. We both have struggles in our past. Yeah. Um, and Palestinian people are so welcoming. Yeah. I actually traveled there um, before we got married in 2012. Right. And that was another thing. Well, you know, we, we, what was the definition you give for Nova, the word again? Novatorian. So you're seeking a, or desiring a powerful change. That was my moment of, of doing that. Right. I... I'd gone to Thailand my first year here, and that was great. Yeah. Amazing. I yeah. went with another girl, a, a group of us, actually. And that was that fun experience you all need to have. Mm-hmm. And then I thought about, next summer I want to do something, I don't know, more meaningful, or um, I just want to learn more about what's going on in Palestine. Mm-hmm. So I went by myself. I volunteered, yeah. To Palestine? To Palestine. Wow. Yeah. I went to Palestine to the West Bank for, I think it was six or eight weeks. Um, my second summer in the UAE wow. and I remember people going like behind my back saying oh she's crazy why'd you do that so stupid 
And I was like, I want to do this because I want to know what's going on. And I want to understand this culture. And like, I was already in a relationship with him and he'd been telling me, but I was like, I want to know for myself. And Mm. I was like, I think it'd be cool to go volunteer and teach English there. So I did. And that was like the most amazing experience ever. Very eye-opening. Oh my God, yeah. I've been to Palestine. Oh, have you? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I actually went, when I went to Israel as well, we, Mm. so my friend has a friend who's American-Palestinian. Okay. So she was able to get us into Palestine. So we went to Ramallah. Oh, Ramallah. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was in Ramallah. I actually stayed in Beit Sahur, which is next to Bethlehem. Yes. I went to um, Nablus and Hebron. Wow. And that was probably the most incredible summer of my entire life. And okay. I spoke Arabic when I was there, which is not something <laughs> that wow. you do here. Yeah. Because everything is in English. And if I get um, told one more time, why don't your kids um, speak Arabic? We don't get to practice it here yeah. as yeah. much. And But when I was there, I, I spoke Arabic every day. And wow. yeah, I was learning before I went. I made this like um, mission to learn Arabic so I could communicate. Obviously, I had to travel from the border in Jordan. Right, yeah. To we did the same. Yeah, mm. which is a bit of a slog. Mm. And my husband loves telling the story of how I hitchhiked from the Jordanian border to Bethlehem. <laughs> like, wow, like you're so, I like, I could not do that now. I am not that brave because yeah. I have three kids and yeah. I'm a responsible adult, but I'm, I hitchhiked. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, it was so eye-opening. Um, I would recommend anyone who can go there to go there. And uh, it does make me sad when I talk to Palestinian people and they're and I say oh I've been to Palestine and they're like really like what's it like because they can't go mm. that's that's devastating um, yeah when they can't even see their own no home place they yeah, can't that is very sad when I was there I went to visit my um husband's auntie who doesn't speak a word of English so I took a bus to go see her that's before we were married wow and I went to go see her and um she was the sweetest woman she's not alive anymore sadly um but I remember getting the taxi to her house I was told just say Dr. Muhammad's house and they'll know that's the kind of village it was and she came out of her house like in the Palestinian dress with her arms like wide open to give me a big hug like I was a friend she had not seen wow and when I was leaving I spent two days there I think um she was telling me like don't worry I will make sure Zaid marries you oh (laughs) so adorable so So how long were you together at this stage uh a year was it a year yeah it was a year so you met him three months into landing yes and you're together a year and then that following so summer 2012 yes I went to and then when I came back from there we got married wow (laughs) so tell me about the wedding like yeah, very small. Yeah. Um, we actually, I guess you would say we eloped. We went to right. Cyprus. So his mum is from Cyprus. So we went there um, because we were young and we didn't have a lot of money, yeah. but we were ready to get married. So wow. 24, which is very young. Yeah. I know. Uh, I think about like, yeah, 24 is young, but that's how things were meant to be. And yeah. I wouldn't have it any other way. You yeah. Know? When you know, you know. Exactly. Yeah. And I say that to people all the time. When you know, you know. And I knew. And yeah. I had a lot of people who would doubt it, I guess, but no. So tell me just about um, Zaid. Mm-hmm. Was he born in Palestine or born here? No. So like many Palestinians, um, he was not born there, but his family is from there. So his father was born there. Right. Um, he is, yeah, he has an interesting cultural background. He was born in Qatar because right. his father was working there at the time. Mm-hmm. Then moved to Australia 
and wow. lived there till he was, I think, about eight or nine, and then moved to Abu Dhabi. So wow. Abu Dhabi is his home. He's been yeah. here 20 years. Um, he went to school here. He grew up here. Um, he still sees a lot of his school friends. It's very yeah. much a community. Um, but yeah, so if to ask him where he's from is probably not an easy question, but he will say Palestine. And that, that's so interesting because building on the podcast I had last week with Megan McGuire, mm-hmm. like she was saying that like, so when you ask where you're from and you've lived, mm. you're you're kind of torn because mm-hmm. like, oh, am I Irish or am I from Abu Dhabi? And yes, that's and I can only imagine what it's like then for someone who is born, I suppose, especially for Palestinians because mm-hmm. they they don't know are they from Palestine? Are they from Abu Dhabi? They feel it's it's um. This kind of reminds me of a poem. I'm being an English teacher here. Go first. By Caroline Duffy called Originally. And now she's talking just about moving from Scotland to England. But she mm. was talking about the difficulties in, in having to shed your accent to be accepted. And mm. how over time you gradually acclimatize. And by the end of the poem, um, it says, and you ask me, where am I from? And I say, originally. Like this question, where am I from originally? And that is so hard for people who are third culture kids to answer. Like my kids... It's quite funny. This happened last week. Um, so my kids are half Irish from my side, quarter Greek Cypriot and quarter Palestinian from Zaid's side. Right. So we were in a Kinokinia bookstore about a week ago and I was getting them some books and we were in the Arab book section and um, my daughter starts looking at a book and Khaled said, no, Leila, we're not Arab. Oh, not for us. We're not Arab. It's like, well, you are. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's so funny. Like our identity is like based upon like the language we speak, mm-hmm. where we were born, where our family is from. It's not an easy question to answer. Yeah, I don't think. And do you speak Arabic with your children? No, no. Um, so we don't speak Arabic at home. Um, my husband can understand and speak Arabic and Greek. Um, but he, his mother is Greek and his father's um, Arab, so they would speak to him, and they still to this day speak to him in those languages, and he responds in English. Right. Um, wow. Which I think is something that can happen um, with a lot of people who grew up with multiple languages in the yeah. house. Um, so his understanding is really good, and we'll we'll go out, and he can speak Arabic to people, like in restaurants and everything. But you know what it's like here, English. Is the it's, language of custom. Yeah. yeah, it is. Um, so, yeah, we don't speak Arabic at home. And I do have this beautiful utopian vision of being fluent in Arabic and being able to raise the kids to speak both. But time is such a struggle when you're yeah. a working mom, and um, which I am uh, with three kids. And yeah. I, I have... It's my goal. One of my goals is to become fluent in Arabic. I am so ashamed that I've been here 10 years and I have pidgin Arabic. Oh, I'm the same. It's yeah. horrific. Pidgin. And I've tried. And I think the, the one time that I was close to, to getting fluency or at least competence with it was when I was in Palestine because I was forced to speak it every day. Mm. So yeah. I would love to. It's still on my bucket It's the immersion list. of it when you're immersed in it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I could speak to my father-in-law in Arabic wow. and... And uh, the, with Arabic, when you go to learn it, also you learn the formal Arabic, which is fusa'a, uh, and that is the Arabic that's in the Quran. So mm-hmm. I learned it for that reason too. Mm-hmm. Um, but then to speak, there are different dialects. So I don't know if you're familiar, like Egyptian Arabic is very different to uh, Lebanese. I've been told this before. They can't understand each other. They can understand, but, but it's very different. Okay, yeah. So um, 
yeah, being like Palestinian, that accent is quite similar to Syria and, and Lebanon. And I'd like to learn that. But when I pick mm-hmm. up Duolingo, it's probably giving me a different dialect. Yeah, and I've tried yeah. Duolingo. Okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So interesting. Sorry, I'm waffling so much. No, no, I love it. <laughs> no, no, let's go with it. Let's go with it. So like, okay, so Ifa, I'm curious, like, if you don't mind me asking, mm-hmm. how did your family react to you marrying Zaid? Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, maybe there is concern when you first marry someone that your family hasn't met yet mm. and you're in another country. Um, I think my mom had spoken to him on Skype and had probably told her a bit about him. Um, and she actually was coming to visit Abu Dhabi that November. Um, so I'd planned for her to meet his family then and everything. And it just so happened she was then meeting them as my in-laws and, wow. and Zeta's my husband. And um, yeah, she she loved him from the start. I mean, he's very lovable. Yeah. I don't know how to describe him. I'd love to meet him. Yes. Yeah. Um, just, uh, they are, like I said earlier, our cultures are not so different. Mm. And Zaid is part European. And he speaks English. He yeah. probably is not what the small Irish village mentality would be of a, a Palestinian. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You know what it's like in a small Irish town? I know, I know. I have a funny story to tell you, actually. Um, so, <laughs> this is very funny. Um, <laughs> so, we went to Ireland um, for me to have Khaled um, in 2013. He was born. Um, because I wanted my family to be part of that process. And um, I spent the first two months of Khaled's life in Ireland. He's born in Tralee. So he's a oh, Kerry boy. Wow, I love that. <laughs> I remember when he was born, the midwives were like in shock because he had so much hair. No way. He had like really dark hair. Oh, and all I heard I? was, thank you. All I heard was, the head of hair on him. The head of hair on him. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Um, so Zaid came with me and... And I remember, um, so you know the custom here for greeting is like to kiss like this. Yeah. And so my Irish granddad, who has never left Ireland, mm. is 81 years old now. Wow. Um, he, uh, the first time he met Zaid, Zaid was like, he knows I love my grandparents. So he came to say hi to them, gave a kiss on the cheek to my grandmother, went to do the same to my grandfather, who was like, what's going on? <laughs> it's like, okay, uh, yeah, that's that's normal in, yeah, in our yeah, yeah. culture. Um, it, it took me some adjusting too when you go visit relatives you're like is it two kisses three yeah it's very confusing right is it different for for male and female it's um so you wouldn't really do it for a male okay if you're a female unless it's like my father-in-law or something okay um but palestinians kiss like one two three and okay. sometimes people do one two three four and sometimes okay. people do one Yes. And this has been a source of headache for me. This is probably yes. the cultural uh, problem that I've, I've faced. <laughs> meeting right. like extended relatives and being like, how many times do I kiss you on the cheek? The amount of times I've almost like kissed, full on <laughs> kissed an elderly relative is embarrassing because I just don't know. You don't know what, where's the head going to be? Yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> so I'm kind of thankful for COVID times where you just kind of wave. Yeah. Well. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, sorry, I went off on a tangent there about kissing people. No, I love it. I love it. It's all valid. It's so good. So, like, so like, for you, what was the decision then to move to Kerry when you had Khaled? Or not move to Kerry, sorry, to move back to Abu Dhabi. Oh, yeah, so we, that was always going to happen. Right. Um, so Zaid had just got a new job, um, which, again, was a huge blessing that mm. came 
um, when we got married, we're not in great financial situation. We were staying with his parents. Mm. We lived on the Corniche. Um, I was working two jobs, actually. I worked in the school. And then after school, I was working in a brain training um, wow. place. Yeah, so I did that for a couple of months. And um, Zaid was kind of in a graduate, like, like he graduated from college, but like first job mm-hmm. and as an auditor. So working with KPMG, um, oh. but you start out there like on a fairly basic salary. You're just getting the experience. So at one stage, as a teacher, I was making more than him, which wow. which is you know as a teacher is not great. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then he started applying for jobs because he was thinking of you know our you know we're gonna have a baby and we're yeah. married, and he got a great job um, um, about a month before Khaled was born. So it was a huge blessing. Wow. So unfortunately, because he was starting the the job, he couldn't be there when Khaled was born. Like oh, no. at that moment, he was there until about two weeks before. Okay. So that was hard. Yeah. Uh, so he met the baby through WhatsApp pictures. He, like, he tells me how his mom came in and showed him the pictures in the morning. He's like, oh my God, like that's your son. Yeah. And then when Khaled was, I think six weeks or eight weeks, we came to Abu Dhabi. And he met him for the first oh. time at the airport. Oh my god, yeah. that must have been such a, like, a surreal moment. Yeah, like, still very vivid in my mind. Yeah. Like, and Khaled was so tiny. Like, six weeks yeah. in the little chair. Oh. And I remember um, Zayt going, he's so small, he looks so big in the pictures. Oh. And just, like, being in shock. Um, so, yeah, that was... And then <laughs> you process. began your family life. Yes, we yeah. did. We've been in Dubai in between and then came back to Abu Dhabi. Layla was born in Dubai, our second child. Um, she was born 6 6 16, which oh, wow. is a very, sp- and it was the first day of Ramadan, so a very special day. Aww. And then Kaya was born at the end of 2019. So she was my COVID baby. Aww. She has not really been on the outside world yet. Really? No. Last weekend was actually her first time in a restaurant. And no she was 18 way. months. Yeah. <sighs> So how yeah. do you find she's like adapting, I suppose, with people, interacting with people? She, I think because she has two older siblings and right. a dog, <laughs> she is very social. Um, so that's not really a concern with her. I think if, if it was my first child, yeah. that would be, and I'd totally probably be different. a bit neurotic about the whole COVID situation. Um, but she was so excited. She was eating prawn crackers, just like playing with Aww. balloons. Um, yeah. So. Congratulations and Thank three. You. I've seen pictures of them. They're beautiful Thank children. Thank you. Oh, they are. The um the middle girl, Layla. Uh, Layla. She looks very like you. You think so? Oh yeah. Oh. With the little curls. Yeah. She's so like but you. She's got these blue eyes, which I think come from my grandfather, right. which is really sweet. And and this, she doesn't look Palestinian, but the Palestinian side of the family claim that she is very Abu Shakra. Okay. What's actually funny is Abu Shakra translates as father of blonde haired children. No so way. So Zaid is living up to his name, Zaid Abu Shakra. Oh, wow. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Meant to be. Yes. Meant to be. Exactly. So I know we've, we, oh God, I just love this conversation. I'm just thinking now, like, for you, how has it been settling here? Because I do, like, we spoke about this earlier before we press record that I do feel like you are kind of gone beyond the, the stages that you are very much settled here in Abu Dhabi and this is your home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I went through the whole process that everyone goes through. So initially, like you said, the honeymoon stage, oh my God, this is amazing. I'm earning money for myself. Mm-hmm. I'm having fun. I'm like a grown up. I was not. Um, 
I remember like spending so much money on like fake handbags and being so excited to go to Forever 21 on the weekend. Yeah. Um, I then was in that stage where I was like, I really want to go home. I'm homesick. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a couple of experiences which I didn't like. I think the experience coming now when you come and you go to a good school and you live mm-hmm. in a nice area, it's a total different world. Mm-hmm. You're not going to experience things like that. And I will say that meeting Zaid did change. It might sound corny, but it did change my perception. Yes. Like he showed me he's grown up here. He's been yeah. here for like 20 years. So, well, at that stage, maybe 15. Um, he was taking me places I wouldn't see. Otherwise, I was getting like the local experience yeah. almost um, and meeting his friends. And um, I stopped drinking like around the time I met him because he didn't drink. Yeah. And it wasn't like uh, it was just, a, oh, I can socialize and have fun without having a hangover the next day how cool yeah. is that yeah it's kind of a strange story but our first date we went to i don't know if it exists anymore hiltonia on the corniche you know where the hilton is but then on the other side of the road they have a yes it might be something else now it's now the saint regis isn't it i think i don't know they but had um on the um, beach side they had a restaurant yeah and we went there for our first date and i remember ordering a cocktail and then the wind blew it over and it spilt. And I was like, oh, that's fine. I won't get another one. And that was literally the last time that I drank. No way. Yeah. Wow. It's just like, that's so weird. It's really weird. Yeah. And I remember um, it's oh, it's kind of embarrassing when you think back to how you used to think when you were 22. Oh, I know. <laughs> I thought that he was, and this was not why I was interested in him for the record. I thought he was so rich because he had an iPhone. <laughs> Okay, I came here and I had a Nokia, like one of those. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, because he had a maid. I was like, oh my God, he has a maid. And he lives in a villa. I thought he owned the villa. Obviously, they were renting it. Yeah. And he was driving his dad's Mercedes. I was like, oh my God. Like, yeah. if I was back in Ireland, I would just be meeting some guy in the pub. Yeah. You yeah. get in the bus. <laughs> like, I, I, you know, but not for superficial reasons. Yeah, yeah. Disclaimer. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I like meeting him changed my perception of the place and to be honest that summer I was going to Thailand and I was waiting to hear if I was getting this um, scholarship for my PhD and I didn't get it and I saw that as the deciding factor of I'm gonna stay right I remember being in Thailand and messaging my mom like did you get a letter about the scholarship and she's like I didn't want to tell you because um I opened it you didn't get it and I was like happy about that okay I like I expected that I'd be like oh but I was actually relieved. Okay. I was like, that's great. I'm going to stay here. You don't have a decision to make then. No. It was made for you. Exactly. Yeah. So I love to, to tell the story <laughs> of how I chose love over a PhD because Aww. I could have gone back and I could have had a student loan and, you know, done that. And I was very passionate about studying literature, but um, I was happy here. So yeah. I'm very glad I made that decision. I'm Obviously. delighted for you. Thank you. It, your story it really does see how, like, there was there was more than just you making decisions. Yeah. Like I do definitely believe that there everything kind of just comes together. Yeah. But yeah. there was definitely fate there. Yeah. With the way things aligned and definitely. And like, do you mind me asking? Did you convert to Islam? Yeah. Right. Before we were married, and right. that again was another kind of personal like decision. Right. So he had we would have conversations over shisha. <laughs> Back in the day, they used to have lots of shisha cafes along the corner. Yeah, they did. They're all gone. Remember the yeah. special cafes? Yes. So we used to sit there and I'd be asking him about it because I was so curious because obviously I grew up in Catholic Ireland, mm. probably like yourself, went to a convent school, yeah. right? 
all the way till university girls schools that was it but I never felt like I never well I didn't go to mass every Sunday my family wasn't really like strictly religious or anything but mm. I had a good understanding of Catholicism so I was wondering what is Islam what is this I don't understand like I hear the call to prayer that's kind of cool what's that about mm. um I used to think like I think many people do when they come here that Allah is a different God than our God mm. like Christian God mm-hmm. um, no it's the same thing I, I didn't know that Jesus was an Islam I didn't know that Mary was an Islam oh wow I yeah that. they are um, yeah there's oh. whole like surahs or chapters in the Quran about them so oh. he um, he actually went to Palestine that summer I went to Thailand and before he went he said I got you uh, English translation of the Quran he's like I want you to have a read of it if you want to um, I was like, okay. So I started reading like chapters. I think it was Surah Al-Yusuf, which is about the story of Yusuf. Not uh, as we understand from the nativity about Mary and Joseph. This is a different right. prophet. Okay. Um, I loved it. I was like, wow, it's like, uh, this is the literature teacher again, I guess, but like the mm-hmm. narrative. And I, I was like hearing names and stories that I knew from the Bible. And I knew right. from growing up in a convent school. Yeah. And I was so intrigued. And I remember reading Surah Al-Maryam about, um, I know it's not called Surah Al-Maryam, but there's a Surah early on, which is about Surah Al-Maryam. God, this is how well-versed I am. (laughs) Um, It's about her, it was talking about her giving birth to Jesus. And it was different. She was under a date tree and she was alone. And it was a struggle. And I was like, wow. But I remember just the, it was so impactful. Now, I'm reading it in English. Obviously, it's originally in Arabic, and mm-hmm. this is a translation. Mm-hmm. But it like opened my mind, and I went down this rabbit hole of wanting to learn more and more and more. Yeah. And then um, I discovered there's an English mosque in Abu Dhabi where they do the um, Friday prayers in English. Wow. So yeah, the kutbah. It's actually next to the Irish embassy. It's in yeah. Oh wow! Very close to the Irish embassy. And so he's like, if you want, you can come there. So there was very much like an invitation. And I was like, okay. okay. Um, so I went and I was blown away. I don't even know what to tell you. It's just, yeah. I felt like my mind was opened. Right. So I wouldn't have said I was a very religious person before. And mm. even now I won't say I'm a very religious person, but I, you know, wholeheartedly believe I'm spiritual. Yeah. And, um, like I said, I believe in fate, but I think that's also God's plan for you. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's just a different name, I suppose. Exactly. Yeah. We put names and labels on things. Yes, right? I totally agree. So I also was like curious because in the Bible, well, we're talking about religion. It's fine. It was yeah, it's like fine. in the Bible, there's a lot of like vengeful, angry God and things like that. And that never kind of sat right with me because I always thought like, isn't God forgiving? And isn't God like, isn't heaven somewhere that we're aiming mm. to go? And I saw a lot of that in Islam that, you know, Islam actually translates as like a religion of peace. Hmm. Obviously, the perception of Islam is horrific because of the media. Post 9-11, Islamophobia, like you see what happened in France this week with the hijab. It's disgusting. Hmm. Um, So unfortunately, um, the perception is flawed. And I did get a lot of like... Uh, rebuttal I guess from people or like what are you doing why do you want to do that what's wrong with you why are you interested mm-hmm. in that and it's a personal thing like yeah. if so if I said I want to be Hindu yeah. or I want to be Buddhist would people have gone you're crazy what's wrong with you yeah you I don't know. really mean it um but That's I said so true I never thought of it like that it is yeah. very it's like oh you're just doing that because you want to get married or something or you mm. just want to do that because 
you're a warab, one of the Arab. A warab. <laughs> That's a term I recently came up with. <laughs> with a W before it. No way. I was one of the Arab. My friend was like, yeah, I'm a warab. <laughs> Feel free to trademark that. I've never heard that before. No. Well, I don't think anyone has said it before. I think it's my original. Oh, this is your. Okay, my love it. Warab. You're a warab. A warab. Yifa Abu Shakara. I, yeah, so it was a very personal thing. My family did not react well to that. I remember my aunt being like so angry and I was like, I don't even want to deal with this. So that was a really hard time. Yeah. But I think over time, people started to realize that, oh, Aoife is still the same person. Same person. Aoife still has a sense of humor. Okay, Aoife doesn't drink and Aoife doesn't eat pork. Never was a big fan of it anyway. Um, but she's the same person. She's still funny. She is in no way um, oppressed she yeah. is not going around wearing a hijab, which I have full right to do if I want to, mm. and that is not a symbol of oppression. Um, I think, I think it helped for my family to meet Zaid and to meet his family. Mm. And his my father in law is wonderful, and he is like obviously a practicing Muslim, mm. and Zaid is too. Um, and I, my journey with Islam is like continuing. I wouldn't say I'm mm. perfect, but. Um, I'm learning. I think it's always a journey. Anyone yeah. who's like religious or interested in spirituality, you're always learning. Yeah. And my kids will be raised Muslim. So, yeah. but you know, the, there's a common um, kind of misperception or misconception that a woman has to convert to Islam to marry a Muslim. That is not the case. Yeah. A Muslim can marry a Jewish woman or a Christian woman. I've been told this before. Yeah. Now, I did have that misconception, mm. definitely, when I first arrived. And then over time, like touching on what you had said earlier expanding your circle Mm -hmm. when I expanded my circle of friends and I did start having friends from different cultures and some Muslim friends I did learn just what you said that a man a Muslim man doesn't have to marry another Muslim I think it it just can be complicated let's say if you're an atheist and then Mm. he wants to raise the kids Muslim but you're saying you don't Mm. believe in it that would be a problem Mm. but this these are the conversations you need to have with someone before you get married yeah you have to be on the same page yeah um so even though we've come from very different cultures and very different backgrounds we're very much on the same page about like essential things yeah you're very authentic with what you're saying as well because you're you're from Kerry you know I am from Kerry yeah like I can't escape that yeah well no but (laughs) don't want to yeah yeah yeah. but like you're 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 coming from an honest perspective of this is what I'm learning Mm -hmm. this is what I know yeah I don't know everything yeah I think that's the first step you have to take to say I don't know everything I might not ever know Mm. everything but I need to make a conscious effort to learn more. Yeah, yeah. And I will. I'll continue to do that. Yeah. I think Ramadan is a great time for people to get in touch with their spirituality. Um, even if you're not Muslim, it's yeah, very quiet, yeah. isn't it? So even if I'm not fasting because I'm pregnant or I'm breastfeeding, uh, I would like to... I'm not pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would like to you know, use that time to read some Quran or mm. listen to the Quran. My kids go to sleep every night with the Quran playing. Wow. They they ask for it because it like helps them slow down. Yeah. yeah. But touching on what you were saying, like Ramadan is very tranquil and it is very quiet and it is actually like I know some of my friends who are expats here and they're not Muslim, but they even say themselves that like it's nice to chill. Yeah. You know, like before COVID, yeah. when it was brunches every weekend. Yeah. Well, we still have brunches now. But you know, when it was a very different time before COVID. It's a very fast-paced life. Yes. Yeah. And when you had that month to relax, mm-hmm. it was almost like 
you'd kind of focus on like eating healthy, working out. Good detox. Detox, yeah. So it's kind of like a spiritual detox, I guess, yeah. for, for Muslims, but also um, to help you remember to be grateful for what you have. It's mm. about charity. You're meant to give charity during Ramadan. It's not just about having big iftars and suhoors. Yeah. That's not what it's about. It's about remembering where you are and why you're there. Yeah. So my husband always reminds me to be very grateful. I sound awful. <laughs> oh, no. be grateful, Ifa. Um <laughs> be thankful for what you have you know yeah. like you've come so far and i'm very grateful you know you're always thinking the grass is greener i want to live here i want to drive that these things don't matter at the end yeah. of the day so do you mind me asking about like we spoke about this i think in our messages how you're bringing upbringing your mm-hmm. your children in such a multicultural background and then also like you said the melting pot of culture in Abu Dhabi. yeah what is it like I mean, it's the only thing I know, I guess. Mm. Um, I think I would struggle if I went back to Ireland with them. I was trying to acclimatize them to that that mm. life. Um, so Khaled is eight, Layla's five almost, and Kaya's one. So the third one I should do a good job on. <laughs> um, but they're going to an international school, which I think helps. My, mm. my kids are, um, for want of a better phrase, colorblind. Like they won't bat an eye at the color of your skin or what you're doing or mm-hmm. you know growing up in an Irish town and I, I really would classify it as a village you know when you live in a city I did not experience any encounters with people from another culture until I traveled yeah it's probably the same for you mm-hmm. um so everyone is just like you um mm-hmm. but my kids are growing up in an environment where you're no one is quite like you but you all kind of share this shared experience of being here mm-hmm. in this culture mm-hmm. and one great thing about this IB um, curricula that I, I work in and the kids are taught it is mm-hmm. it's about international mindedness and being open-minded right. and there is a learner profile I'm going into teacher mode yeah um, there's seven attributes and there's things like being a risk taker but being balanced and being open-minded being a communicator being reflective and those are really great qualities to have mm. so we try and instill that in the kids and it really they are a product of that system but also this country where everyone is you know last year was with the year of tolerance mm-hmm. and um the uae is making more and more efforts to welcome in different faiths and different mm-hmm. cultures um in a way that's very accommodating um and I think my kids growing up somewhere like here, I'm very happy that they're growing up here. Mm-hmm. I think they have friends from all over. Um, they get to learn about other cultures on their international days and things like yeah. that. Um, I, I don't know. I you know, it, I grew up knowing who I was. I'm Irish. I'm from Kerry. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. I think they might have an identity struggle that I can't empathize with because I don't understand it fully. Yeah. But I think that they also have many benefits to growing up here. Yeah. Yeah. What do no, you think? No, no. I'm, 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 I'm just thinking. Like, what do you see then happening? Let's say when you can't retire here, because mm. it's something I'm curious for when well, you're in it. Yeah. And you have a family here. I think things are changing. Mm. I think we may be able to retire here. We. Yeah. Um, our goal is to have some properties that we can well live in one and then yeah. um, rent the others. You make plans and then God laughs at them, but um, we that's our plan. I mm-hmm. Like you said earlier, we're, we're settled. Yeah. I very much feel like I'm not going back to Ireland. And that could mm-hmm. be strange for people to hear, I guess. 
Um, it's not that I don't love Ireland and I don't want to be there, but the reality of it is uh, I, I can't go back to Listroll with mm. my three kids. My husband won't have a job there. I don't want him to live in a different city to us because he works in um, like auditing. Mm. Um, and we're happy here. Yeah. And the world is a smaller place now with mm. things like Zoom and everything. And it kind of reminds me of a conversation I had with my aunt before I moved to the UAE months before that when I was thinking, will I go to Australia or something? I was like, but I can't do that. It's so far. My mom would be so upset. And she's mm. like, Eva, stop thinking about other people and think about yourself. Yeah. Like you have to go do things for you. You do. And it was scary moving here and not knowing what to expect. And I feel very blessed that it worked out, mm. you know, um, but we can't take anything for granted. I, I hope that we can stay here, yeah. that we could live here, that our kids <coughs> can grow up here. Um, that's the plan. Yeah. So let's see. Oh, no, I hope so too, though. Because like myself and Megan from last week, we touched on the, the topic of citizenship. And it's interesting. It's coming up again with you. Like It's, it's a hot topic right now because I know they've brought in the golden visa mm-hmm. for certain professions. Mm-hmm. So hopefully... Yeah, if I can write that novel. Yeah. <laughs> time i think it will be expanded you know i think they're just rolling it out baby steps but i do think it'll have a ripple effect yeah i think it is inevitable yeah i do think so as well it's interesting i think it's it's quite limited now like you have to be an entrepreneur or a scientist or something amazing yeah um but maybe we can find a way Uh, i think maybe gradually over time i don't know I would definitely take it. Yeah. I have one passport. I would take it for sure. Yeah. Um, and to have more stability. I think that can be something that sometimes you feel is missing. Definitely here. Just yeah. stability. And I, you know, my family is here. Mm. So I don't feel as homesick for my family in Ireland because I'm raising a family here now. Yeah. It's kind of a different um, way of life, I think. If I was single here, I probably would be more homesick and more... Like, okay, where do I go next? And see it as like a kind of a stop. Mm. Um, but it's not like that for me. Yeah. No, I love it. It's so interesting because I feel like we're, like like I said, you are a very unique situation as an expat because like you're raising your family here and you see it as your, your forever home. But there's quite yeah. a few, I think. Yeah, really? Yeah, I think there is quite a few people who feel that way. And But it is hard then when you do make friends and they do move on or they mm. go back to their home country. And that's something my kids will experience that I didn't because mm. the people who were in junior infants with me were in sixth year with me, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think there is more and more people here who are committed to staying long term. People are buying houses now. Mm-hmm. Abu Dhabi's opened up more. Um previously it was very limited to where you could buy so i think that's a good step in the right direction for people too mm-hmm. like if you own a house that's your visa like there's no you wouldn't have to have a job if you have a residence from really? your from owning your home yeah i didn't know that mm-hmm. don't quote me okay <laughs> I, there's lots of things we can't quote you on in this podcast like, this is my opinion <laughs> yeah yeah i didn't know that yeah, if you own a property... You don't need a visa. You have a visa That's from owning a property. Right. So you can retire here through that by owning property. Interesting. Okay, I didn't know that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I have to buy properties. Ailish is like, right, how do I buy this yeah. apartment? <laughs> yeah, just like talking up. <laughs> so for you, were there any moments of self-doubt 
Oh, plenty. Yeah. Like so many. I, I don't think anyone can go through life without doubting everything that they do. Yeah. I, like on a daily basis, I doubt some things, but you have to feel the fear and do it anyway. Yes. Right? Yeah, you do. Um, I had a Shakespeare quote in mind, actually, that really connects to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, English teacher. I just can't step out of that mode. I love it. Shakespeare said, our doubts are traitors and make us lose the good we oft might win by fearing to attempt. So if you, in a nutshell, yeah. if you doubt yourself and then you're like, oh, I can't do that. You just won't do it and nothing will happen. You won't live. You won't live. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you starting a podcast, you doing your coaching, that was you going, I'm going to do it. Mm. You, I'm sure you doubted yourself at oh, some point. Oh, yeah. So many times. But you did it. Mm-hmm. And how bad would you feel if you never tried? Mm-hmm. Terrible, right? Yeah. So, yeah, there are, there's always doubts in life, but you have to be like brave and push on through them. Yeah. As Shakespeare said. I love that. So I love ago. how you connected with that. Thank yeah. you. But it's so true and you have to like you said you have to power through the self-doubt just to live and yeah why why would you just let life pass you by mm-hmm. like like i the the experiences i've had like answering a phone call saying yes to an invitation yeah those little tiny things had a huge rippling effect on everything that happened yeah. after right offering yeah. a slice of pizza to yeah. a stranger yeah. you know People always say, oh, I can't meet anyone here. It's like, yeah, you can. Mm. You will. Yeah. When it's right. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. No, I totally totally. it. Yeah. I understand what you're saying. So for you, like, was there any moment where you were like, okay, this is my commitment. I'm I'm here now. Uh, I guess or when did I got married. Ha- did it happen gradually? Did you kind of feel like you, you found yourself here this long or... I think, like I said earlier, in your 20s, you're really finding who you are and trying to piece that together. And now I'm early 30s. Yeah. <laughs> um, Which you look amazing, by the oh, way. Oh, thank you. A mom of three. I'm like, thank wow. You. Uh, a lot of makeup and hairspray. No, it's not. Um, it's not at all. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, your 20s, for anyone who's listening who's in their 20s or is maybe starting out here or anywhere, you're just going to have to find out who you are in your 20s and then... In your 30s, you are going to be way more confident in who you are and things will start to come together. At least I, that's from my experience. Mm. I think that by my late 20s, I started to get a grasp of who I was and what I wanted. And you care less about people's perception of you. Mm-hmm. When you're 22, you care too much about what people think about yeah. you. It's a constant source of anxiety. And I don't know if that's an Irish thing, a female thing, a Catholic guilt thing. Mm. I don't know what it is. Um, but the older I've got, the less shits I've given, to be honest. Yeah, that's I, so good. Part of my French. You can. No, you can put that in. Of course you can. But it is so true that, that you have to care less about what people think in order to honor yourself. Honor yourself. Yeah, yeah that's a nice way to put it. Yeah. Rather than the less shits you give. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. No, I do. I do. So for you, Aoife, like, how have you used this opportunity of growth in your life? Um, I think there are many things that you grow in, whether it's your spirituality, whether it's as a mother, or whether it's in your career. Um, I think that you have to always be open to opportunities. Um, so recently I started to dive back into something I used to do as a teenager. Um, so songwriting. So um, I, when I was a teenager... 
Um, I once supported the Hot House Flowers in the INEC. By the way, just gonna drop no that. No way! There. <laughs> yeah. Singing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, this is my rock star life when I was 17, 18, 16, 17. Um, yeah, I was. Remember the KDYS and Kerry? Yes. It's like Kerry Diocesan Youth Service. <laughs> um, <laughs> I actually can't take you seriously when you put on the accent. Like, and it's so funny you're pushing it on. Do you know? <laughs> but that's the accent. Yeah. And um, so they had a battle of the bands competition. I remember this was County Club Day. Well, I'm probably a bit older than you, so maybe I was like the original. <laughs> no, but that's when they. I remember the battle of the in bands. Killarney. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. they used to have it in Tralee sometimes as well. Yeah. But we used to call that County Club Day because all of us from our youth clubs would okay. go. We'd have was it on once a year? I think the Killarney thing was once a year. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of kids. That was us. Yeah. That oh. was. We were the youth clubs that would okay. come. So what they would do was was they would invite all the youth clubs around Kerry <laughs> for one big day out every year. Yep. Anyone from Kerry will know this. Yep. And we always used to call it County Club Day, and it was a major day out because it was like they had events all over the the town, whichever town it was in. It yeah. always it always switched between Tralee and Killarney. The two big ones. Yeah. yeah, and then they had the disco at the end, and the all disco, the disco. Was like, yeah, girl. And we were like so young. Oh my god, I'm so, cringing. So young, and the things. We, oh, oh, remember that song, Bobby Joe. Bobby Joe. Yes. It's Is that like, your song for today? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I, you know, sometimes I do feel homesick and I have a good friend at work who's... You messaged who's me Irish. on Instagram about Bobby Joe. Did I? You, you said... Oh, when you were dancing in your kitchen in the morning. vitamin C. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> I'm going to drive home to that song today now. <laughs> it just transports you back to it that does. time. And, okay, it's embarrassing and I'm glad that, like... This is pre-Bebo even. Yes. That there isn't much documentation. I'm even embarrassed of pictures of me in college, to be honest. Um, we all are, girl. Don't worry. Even to probably about 2013, when I discovered my eyebrows. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, seriously. Um, but what was I saying? Oh, yeah. Bad the Battle of the Bands. Yes, you're, Apologies, you're a moment. listeners. Um, yeah, so my short and illustrious rock career. Um I was in a band, they were mostly based in Tralee, so I used to drive there every weekend. My mom would drop me off after school. Wow. And it was me, a girl, and three guys. The guys were actually in college, um, and she was in sixth year, I was in fifth year. Oh my god, best time ever. Mm. Best time. So we'd play, um, what songs? We used to do a version of Christy Moore's Ride On. Oh my god. Like a rock version. But then I used to write originals. I used to write songs. I was, wow. I was, yeah, I was quite creative when I was younger, and I'm trying to tap back into it. Um, so anyway, we did that battle of the bands, and people say we only won because we were girls, but that's a lie. We were good. We yeah. were good. Um, and the prize was to support the Hothouse Flowers in the INEC, and wow. we did that summer, um, which is, yeah... That's such a cool claim to fame. That was, no one knows who the Hothouse Flowers are. I've, I do. I've thrown it out there <laughs> You do. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I do. So, yeah, I was the singer and I played the bass guitar. Actually, that was in the second band, so we kind of had an offshoot. Yeah. Anyway, um, so recently, so that the girl is still performing. She does a lot of wedding um, uh, gigs and... Um, They've been on, I think, Ireland's Got Talent and things like that. Mm. Um, so she messaged me so out of the blue. And again, this is one of those like messages that you either respond to or you don't. Mm. And I, I responded immediately. It's like, oh, hey, what's up? What are you doing? 
And she, I don't even remember how the conversation started, but she was like, are you still playing? I was like, no. Like, when I moved to Abu Dhabi, I brought my guitar with me. Did you? I still have it. And I, it's in my, my wardrobe. Um, but I have the, the tag from the airplane. It says the date that I came. Oh, wow. And to me, that's like, yeah. my house is everyone fired. Be grabbing that. Um, so I, I was like, yeah, I, I don't have much time like between the kids. And I kind of just fell out of it in college. Which is such a shame. Like, mm. um, with the exception of, I remember being in Cork and, and grabbing a busker's guitar and then singing um toxic by britney spears oh my god um yeah ah uh. <laughs> yeah. i love this very fun person yeah um so yeah she was like if i sent you some music would you be able to put lyrics to it do you think she's like a, like she's very very good musician but she's kind of struggles with with writing melodies and, and lyrics it's like yeah sure I wrote the song in like a minute when I was cooking the dinner. Wow. It just came immediately to my mind and I was transported back to how much I loved that and trying to explain like the songwriting process. Now you can decide for yourself if they're any good. Um, We think they're amazing. Yeah. Um, But it just, the words come to me. Like I'm not even, it's not an effort. Now one of my goals in life is to write a novel and I've tried and it's hard to get inspiration Mm -hmm. and sit down. But this is very easy for me, Mm. like so easy and I love it. So I was thinking maybe I missed an opportunity here to be a songwriter. Um, So this now is my latest endeavor. Um, So I'm doing freelance songwriting and I'm working with them. So they're called Sparkle. On Instagram, I think it's Sparkle Band Cork and they're great. And so the originals will be up there soon and on Spotify. Um, So they just recorded two of them. Uh, one of them I was responsible for um, about three weeks ago in a studio in Cork. So nice. watch this space. Look at you, girl. <laughs> but That's this is like, story. I don't want to say my side hustle, because I've heard about teachers having side yeah. hustles, but it's like my passion. I love it. Yeah. And to be honest, I kept that side of myself like hidden, like from even my husband. I didn't tell him until maybe a couple of months ago. I was like, I used to be in a band and I, I used to write songs. Like, what? No way. <laughs> I loved it. I yeah. played back all the songs I used to sing when I was younger. It's like, that's you. Wow, Haram, why aren't you teaching the kids how to play? Um, I don't know why I went full Arab with the accent there. That's not what he sounds like. Oh, but I like that. Oh, it's lovely. But yeah, I don't even remember what your question was, English, but something about how do I grow? I think it was the opportunities of growth. Yeah. Take opportunities as they come to you. Yeah. And okay yeah it's healthy sometimes to say no and Mm. take time out for yourself but it's also healthy to not shy away from things because of doubt i think i would have doubted myself a couple of years ago oh no i'm rubbish i'm so bad and now i'm like what have i got to lose Mm -hmm. literally what do i have to lose nothing if someone doesn't like it whatever it's fine don't listen to it yeah so let's see well, I'll have to share it on my Instagram when you yeah, yeah, up on Spotify. Sure. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited to hear. Thank you. And congratulations. Great. Thank you. That's an amazing achievement. It's uh, it's fun. Yeah. As well, I think you have to do what you love, and I I love teaching yeah. um, literature. Yeah. I don't like the admin side of teaching as much. Mm. I think you know what that's like yeah. as well. But being in a classroom with kids is like everything, mm. and it has been terrible trying to teach through a computer teaching teenagers who don't have the enthusiasm of little kids to turn their camera on and engage in conversations which is what our class is all about so that's been really hard and I think it's been a very turbulent year for teachers very up and down 
um, but we persevere. So if we can survive that, really, we can survive yeah. anything. Yeah, it does build resilience. Definitely. Yeah, it does for yeah. sure. Oh, girl, I just love this. So, <laughs> like for you to end on this question, and we're going to the quick fire round. Then, oh like, God, quick fire, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Were there any lessons learned that stand out for you from your, your experience of, from the moment you got, you got on the plane in that January 2011? Oh, wow, well, yeah. To now, 10 years later, and you're a mom of three, songwriter. <laughs> Freelance know. songwriter. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think take opportunities as they come to you and don't shy away from things because you don't think you're good enough for them. Mm. I think... I don't know if it's, again, an Irish thing. We have this healthy dose of skepticism about things. And I think you need to move beyond that. I think you need to... um, Not that you have to have a vision board saying, I'm going to be a millionaire or anything Mm -hmm. like that. Your goals have to be, you know, authentic as well. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to say, I want to be a rock star. I'm going to say, no, I want to write a couple of songs and I want to see what happens. Or I want to go to this job interview and see what happens. Like I recently got promoted at work next year. I'm going to be head of English in our school. Wow, congratulations. But that was a role that I wasn't thinking I should do that until I started to think, I don't know, my thoughts came together and I was like, you should do that. You can do that. Um, And that's the position I'm in now. So yeah, this growth is professional. It's personal. Mm. It's spiritual. It's you know with your relationships with friends it's everything um yeah don't be afraid to put yourself out there i'm just as you're speaking do you mind me asking you mm-hmm. do you have any advice for anyone who is living here especially young women mm-hmm. and if they are like with an arab guy mm-hmm. do you have any advice for them yeah as an old wise 30 year old to yeah. transition no it is hard it's yeah. very hard um because not because of the relationship you're in but more the perception that people may have Mm. of it and um i'm very lucky or blessed that i my in-laws are very accepting and his family is great and he's great um i think that yeah i think i don't know it's like with any relationship you need to Mm. thread carefully you need to make sure that you're on the same page that you um you're in it for the right reasons. I think um, the the biggest struggle I had in my life was was converting to Islam and and having people um, judge me for that mm-hmm. and not understand what I was going through because it was a huge transition for me as well. I was starting to reevaluate everything about myself. Yeah. Um, and I'm in a much healthier place now. But I remember like one of the most crushing moments was a friend accidentally texted me. You know when you accidentally text someone and you're talking about them. Oh no. And I was like, oh like the right. judging me and I was yeah. in Ireland at that time and then she's like oh I'm so sorry I didn't mean to send that I was like but you sent it yeah. and I remember saying to Zaid like that was like crying like oh my oh. god oh my god and him going that's God telling you like these people are saying this about you but it's okay like yeah. you know yeah and yeah. that is so hurtful when you're so young so and you're going young. through such a pivotal moment in your life huge and yeah people I, I get it now yeah. yeah people can't understand it yeah like they can't um but yeah, you can't really understand it unless you're going through yeah, it. Yeah, and you can't you can't change how people are thinking and feeling. No, and they feel that way because, you know, they, they've heard horror stories mm. or they have preconceptions or they have experiences themselves, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I have very supportive friends as well. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Not everyone was, like, yeah. throwing me under the bus, <laughs> but... Um, yeah, I, I think it's it's healthy to worry about your friends, but it's also 
good to support them and be there for them when they need you. Mm. So yeah, I think if someone's going through that, reach out. I'll help you. Yeah. I didn't have anyone like that who had gone through it who I could talk to. And nobody right. had gone through that and could tell me it's fine. In a couple of years, you'll know who you are. You know. Yeah. Um, and are there any like groups in Abu Dhabi? Like Muslim groups. <laughs> I don't mean to say it like that, but you know, like women who convert. Well, actually, I had met two women who were older, um, and it was so bizarre. It's such a small world because one of them actually was friends with my mother-in-law. Oh wow! I met her before, and she was great. Um, I don't want to name her because yeah. you know um, privacy. But she sat and had coffee with me, and she was. Like, she doesn't wear a hijab. She's married to a Syrian guy forever. Mm. She's so Irish, has her sense of humor. She's been a teacher here for years. And I was like, that's that's how I want to be. Yeah. Happy, you yeah. know, and not worrying and freaking out if I'm doing that right. Should I wear nail polish? Should I pluck my eyebrows? Can I do this? Yeah. I used to, like, freak out about tiny little things mm. and then forget about the bigger picture. Mm. And the day that I converted, um, uh, well, there was two days I guess mm. the, the well the actual day I converted was in the English mosque and it was after the Friday prayer and the, all the women stayed it was like huge this was like oh my god I was bawling crying <laughs> like emotional yeah wow. so you say the shahada in front of the imam um, which is like you declaring that you believe in Islam and when you say that you're officially Muslim if yeah. you mean it the, am I right in saying the imam is kind of like a priest yes yeah kind of i mean there's no confession or anything like yeah. that but he would lead the khutbah the that's it prayer. yeah yeah um but yeah this english mosque has um they're they're not all um western women um not at all but arab arabic wouldn't be their first language so right. maybe urdu is or mm. um they're indian um, women from all over mm. they are so welcoming like you mm. can't even tell you and that day there was another girl um converting as well um I think she was. I think she was Indian. Um, so we did the shahada, and then all the women just like come up and surround you and like hug you, and like they're like so happy for you. And I was like, oh, oh my god! Like that was such a moment. And I, you need to meet someone who's been through it. And it, it took some time for me to meet someone who had been through it, um, and I could identify with. Mm. I think there's something about Irish people that we just connect on a level because we've been through the same experiences. Yeah. We with the same context, and this was a woman who. Um, had converted and was married and was still you know a liberal woman and everything mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. so everything that I imagined that I was going to be she was it and yeah. it just gave me so much um it just settled my nerves about it because when you hear people doubting you the whole time you start it starts to get into your head and yeah. she was like no don't worry about that yeah. no that's good so yeah I'm don't sweat the small stuff yes don't yes. sweat the small stuff so, Aoife, we're going to the quick fire round. Okay, I'm ready, I think. Okay, so what is the first thing you notice about a person? Their sense of humor. Okay, I like that. Did you expect me to say, like, their eyes? <laughs> no, you know what? This question actually gives such varied answers. Really? Yeah, it's really nice to hear people's um, perception on that. I think sense of humor is so important to me. Mm. Um, I don't think I've had a successful lesson unless at least one kid has laughed at some stupid joke I've made. Mm. Um, or... I don't know if that's an Irish thing again. I know I keep saying that, but humor is a part of our culture. Yeah, it like, is. If you can't laugh at yourself, like, who are you? Yeah. Um, so if I meet someone and they're very standoffish and they don't laugh or they don't, mm. I'm like, no, not my kind of person. Mm-hmm. I need to be able to have a laugh with you. Yeah. You have to have the crack, as we call it. Yes, in yeah. you do. 
Yeah. You have to have the crack. My husband has the crack. Does he? He even says things are grand and he uses it appropriately. Does he? Yeah. Oh, wow. Fair play to him. What was his um, impression of Ireland when he first went, actually? Um, yeah, very green. Yeah. But also quite boring. I think okay. it was always a bit boring to him. Um, I remember when we went, he found it very cold. It was February or March and he was wearing like two pairs of pants, like pajamas inside his jeans and a big jacket. No way. And then we met my cousin who was a couple of years younger than me and he showed up in a t-shirt and shorts and I was like, well, <laughs> yeah, that just this is a summer's it. day in Ireland and yeah. you're wrapped up like that. <laughs> so yeah, he, yeah, he, he loved it there too. Yeah. Um, he understands it's my home and mm. yeah it's a part of me and the kids like I can't wait for them to go back so we haven't been in four years so Leda was a baby last time yeah. um, and the pictures of them there are just so special like yeah. they go to Kennedy's pet farm in Killarney oh yeah oh my god Khaled still talks about the big pig he saw there um, <laughs> they, they love it and I have lots of little cousins actually um there who are quite a similar age to them so they've loads of people to play with so uh, next summer yeah inshallah, inshallah next summer, yeah. i hope so i don't know how i'm gonna get on a plane with three children um yeah god help me but it'll yeah, it'll happen it will happen yeah it will it has oh, to i'm excited for you for <laughs> Thank that day you. yeah sorry i'm slowing down your quick fire round no you're fine <laughs> no 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 worries at all so have there been any habits that have improved your life Oh God, habits that have improved my life. I have lots of bad habits. I feel like I need to digital detox. I hate oh. screens at the moment. I know. I It's almost like muscle memory. You wake up in the morning, you scroll. I hate I know, it. I know. Who am I? I would much rather if I put it away and read a book um, or did some work. Not to be a workaholic, but it's a very busy time of year right now. Um, so one thing that's kind of helped is the bedtime mode on the iPhone. I put it quite early. Mm. So um, I put that on and then I don't get any alerts on my phone from like 9 o'clock or 8.30. So Great. if I just put that out of sight, I'm not going to look at it. Yeah. And then you're just more present, you know? Yeah, you are. It, I hate like going out for dinner with friends and everyone's on their phone. Like, why are we here together? Or, you know, sitting... Um, if, if I watch a movie with my husband I don't want to be either of us to be on our phones I want us to be watching it together mm-hmm. um, or even with the kids like I yeah it's a really bad habit I think yeah. it's a millennial thing I know it, it's almost like an extension of us the phone isn't it and I it hate is. to say it And it, but I don't really put a lot of things out there I'm not posting constantly yeah. um, but I am constantly looking at what other people are doing mm-hmm. And sometimes that can really make you feel down. You're like, oh, look, that family's in the Maldives for spring break. Or mm. that family's out, you know, camping in the desert. Like, oh, my kids are on their iPads right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you you put yourself... It's keeping up with the Joneses. Mm-hmm. Or keeping yeah. up with the Abu Joneses. Yeah. <laughs> As the case is yeah. here. Um, but, you know, people just project their best selves on there anyway. Yeah, yeah. it's a highlight reel. It's a, Exactly, yeah. it's a highlight reel. Yeah. Um, so yeah i think it's a habit that i need to maintain this like keeping a distance from my phone Mm -hmm. the reality of it is i have to check for work i have to check my email Mm -hmm. we've got teams you've got kids pinging you about their assessments i i think you need to just take time for yourself to detox from all of that Mm -hmm. i feel like this spring break has flown by 
Um, and I wish that I had more of a break. I feel like I'm always in work mode or thinking about work or yeah. like I do examiner work for the IB and now that's coming. And mm. it's just, I don't know. You have to prioritize yourself a bit more sometimes. You do, you do. And you have to create that. Like, I feel like what's come up in conversations lately just with friends is some people are still struggling with that, um, the boundary when you work from home because oh, yeah. it becomes so fluid it's yeah. almost invisible yeah I had a room where I worked and I just didn't yeah. want to be in there it was really hard uh because I would work and then I'm trying to teach my son who yeah. was in grade one last year and he was you know he did not have any interest he hated reading so I <laughs> drilled it into him his reading has come so far and I'm so proud that I had a role in that yeah um but I I think I re- like I've said this before. Our relationship has been damaged by distance learning. Me and my son. Really? Yeah, it has because I just didn't have the patience for him. Like it sounds awful, but like I'm working and then I'm on my break. I'm teaching him. You're a mom. Yeah. There was no shutting down and looking after the baby. Mm. And my daughter was just kind of floating around somewhere for like Aww. six months. Poor Layla, the middle child. But yeah, just the arguments about, come here, you have a meeting, come here, we have to do this, we have to upload this to Seesaw, now do that, oh, I hate this, just this word, oh. Like, I think a lot of parents, if they're honest, will say that it has done some damage to their relationships with their kids. Wow. It can be repaired. Of course, of course it can, yeah. But I think that there's some, I'm the bad cop, Mm. the one who makes them do all this schoolwork. I know. Um, He's more independent this year, but yeah, it was really hard. And I, but I didn't like audibly complain about it too much, except maybe to one or two friends. I was like, oh, they're sending gifts yeah. for me, like, send help. <laughs> and I have great friends, and I have friends who would like stop and leave a Starbucks on my car. Oh, and be like, there's a Starbucks outside for you. But like, oh my so God, kind. thank you. Um, or my birthday, send me like a patty box or oh, you know, wow. something like that. Um, you need a good support system. You need mm-hmm. a village. You know, they say mm-hmm. it takes a village to raise a child. It also takes a village to just like keep you sane. Yeah. Somewhere like here. Yeah. And you can't be a hermit and live in Abu Dhabi. Mm. Very true. Yeah. <laughs> you really can't. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, next question. What's on your bucket list? <laughs> My bucket list. Write a novel. One day. I would love that. I have tried and failed, but I think my kids need to be a little bit more grown up. Mm. for me to do that I tried to write a short story recently and it ended up being a poem I don't know what that says about me oh wow um very musical still yeah, yeah I think I am creative and I do want to get back to that I mm. think I really enjoy it and you know the reality of like having a career and uh, I mean my career allows me to be creative anyway being a literature teacher but um yeah you need to do things that are fun and exciting for you mm-hmm. and yeah I I want my kids to see that too Mm -hmm. my son is very creative like he's never not drawing there's so many Godzilla and dinosaur pictures in my house and he just asked for his birthday can I have art materials like yeah okay no problem um so I want I I want to be that positive influence that they see oh mom's always reading a book or Mm -hmm. mom's um always writing a song or like Mm -hmm. isn't that cool isn't that like I want them to feel like that's something you can do and you know be proud of it yeah it's not just a hobby it could be like something that you take further yeah like my son is is almost eight and his dream is to be a youtuber like every other eight-year-old of course 
but um, like why not if he wants to be do something like that if he wants to be creative I'm not gonna push him to be a doctor or an engineer mm. or something like that yeah they have to be able to do what they want yeah definitely for sure no I like that um, what are you most grateful for in your life? Um, lots of things, but I guess just the way fate has worked out for me. I don't know. Uh, grateful for my family, for my husband, um, for my friends. There's there's a lot I'm to be grateful for. Like I, I know I'm very blessed. Yeah, I. You sound like you're very. Um, you, you are you. You epitomize that gratitude speaking to you. Yeah? Yeah. I, I feel I feel the gratitude oozing from you. Ooh. Yeah. Oozing. <laughs> yeah. But it's palpable. Like, you, you, you sound and you speak with such appreciation for the, the, the path you have been on. Mm. You know, and you're very aware of that, like, life is a game of choices, really. Yeah. And it was, it it was like... All it, these small choices led you to where you are. Exactly. Yeah. It's a very complicated thing to contemplate fate and destiny and to think like, I really don't think you can just sit back and life will propel you forward. Yeah, yeah. You need to be in the driving seat, yeah. for want of a better metaphor. Um, and I haven't sat down and really thought about everything that I've been through in like 10 years, but it's a lot. Yeah. And I'm sitting here like, wow, that was a really shitty time. Or yeah. that was like a big like decision I made. And like now just being kind of at the end of it. Well, the next section ne- of my life, yeah, I next guess. chapter. Um, uh, I'm very grateful for all of that that happened, mm. even the bad things. Not that there was many bad things, but not, you know, the difficulties, the obstacles, the like the questioning of my decision making, whether by myself or by other people. I'm glad that all happened because now I don't really, that's not really a worry for me anymore. You strike me as someone who's very self-assured. Oh my god. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, no, no. I'll tell you why. Like the opposite. But Go I on. think you don't I don't think you see it, which which even makes me adore you more. Oh. Honestly, because for you to be that young and to know that Zaid is your person mm. and to of course be met with some resistance, mm-hmm. which is only natural, but to follow through and to follow your heart. Mm-hmm. You know, like that takes a lot of courage when you don't know what's on the other side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know, you don't know what's on the other yeah. side. And there are, you know, it doesn't work out for everybody. And mm. that's but there's, life. A, there's a lot of intuition there, I think. I think you're very I think I am intuitive. intuitive. Yeah. I think I have good emotional intelligence. Mm. And um, yeah, I, I guess I have a quite humility. Like, um, I'm not overtly confident in your face. Like, I'm fantastic. I'm wonderful. I'm great. Um, I have a lot of self-doubt, but I will like project that like I can do this. Yeah. I think a lot of people who work with me say that to me and I'm like, really? Yeah, yeah. Mm. You're a doer, definitely. I'm a doer, yeah. not a donter. Yeah. <laughs> you walk the walk. I walk you know? the yeah, walk. you do, you I do. don't talk the Arabic though. <laughs> in time, in time. Inshallah, inshallah. You will, you will. Um, so were there any uh, specific books or films or documentaries that have inspired you as a person? told you a lot of watch of i watch a lot of uh murder documentaries i don't know if yes. i should put that out there um besides that that's kind of my weird downtime i like watching trashy reality tv 90 day fiance personal favorite um murder documentaries um but more seriously um i think i watched god years ago I'm talking 10 years ago it was a bbc miniseries called 
Oh God, what's it called? The Promise? I think The Promise. And it's set in Palestine and modern day Israel. And it was, it's amazing. Just watch it. It just right. opened my eyes to what was going on there. Mm. And that kind of like pushed me towards going there to see it for myself mm-hmm. too. Um, I read a lot of fiction. So I'm, I'm not someone who reads like self-help books mm. or um, life skill books. I don't know. Yeah. What would you categorize them as? I read a lot of fiction. So... I don't know if they inspire me, but they open my mind to different cultures mm. and they open my mind to different possibilities. I learn a lot about history through fiction. Right. Um, one of the most insightful books I've read is a graphic novel by Marjan Satrapi. It's called Persepolis. Okay. And it's incredible. Like It tells you all about the uh, uh, Islamic revolution in Iran right. from the eyes of her growing up in it. And obviously yeah. it's her perspective, but... I knew nothing about that till I read that graphic novel. It's something I've actually taught. Um, and I'm very lucky that in my job, um, I've had a lot of freedom to choose text to teach to my students. So, mm. And we teach text and translation. So this uh, past two years, I've been teaching this uh, Polish poet called Wisława Szymborska, and she is amazing. And she's a Nobel Prize winner. Sorry, the way you, you just, the, the names roll off the tongue. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at her and all. Well, I speak Polish. No, <laughs> I can say her name and I can only say her name because I have a Polish colleague who taught me because well, I was slaughtering it before that. Okay. Um, she was a Nobel Prize winner. Never heard of her before. I had a very, um, like, I don't want to say Anglo-centric view of literature. I knew Shakespeare. Yeah, I knew John B. Keane because mm. I'm from the stall. I know Yeats. I knew Beckett. Did not know this woman, Shamburska. I did not know Gabriel Garcia Marquez, who's from Colombia. These are the most incredible writers everywhere. Wow. Anywhere. Um, so I think we have to open up our mind to reading text and translation. If, mm. if your listeners haven't done that before, okay. um, maybe the fiction you've read isn't for you because you haven't found that writer yet. And there are so many amazing writers. And I'm talking about people who are famous but weren't on my radar, someone who had a master's in literature. Mm. Okay, I did Irish literature. Yeah. Um, but they're amazing. And their perception of their time periods, like Shamburska survived Stalinist uh, regime yeah. and the Holocaust. Wow. And she is writing about her experience, but on a more universal level. She doesn't just concentrate on those. She talks about human emotions. She's got a great one called Hatred. Fantastic poem. Um, but those those words they're like so inspirational and their perspective so yeah I feel grateful that I've got to teach world literature like that too yeah and I suppose you wouldn't have probably delved into world literature if you were teaching at home not to the same extent that's the extent yeah not to the same extent at all I think that's one of the great benefits I'm a lifelong learner that's Mm. this cliche thing we say in the IB but I am I'm I challenge myself every year to teach new texts and I get excited about it Mm. um so yeah that's that's cool. Those are my books, I guess. Yeah. I'll have to start looking for some translated pieces. Oh, on. please. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you can recommend some for sure. I read lots of Irish books as well. Um, I read, I think it was John Boyne's The Heart's Invisible Fury. Oh my God. Read it. Okay. It will make you homesick. Okay. I had an Irish accent when I read that book. I met off with my friend. She's like, Aoife, like, have you been talking to lots of Irish people? Like, <laughs> what's going on? I said, no, I'm reading this book. Uh, no way. Oh my god, it's amazing that book. Where is it set in Ireland? Yeah, okay. from like the 1950s to present day. Right. And it's amazing. Just okay. read it. I will. I will. I'll put that on my list. <laughs> so finally, 
Your song choice. What's your song choice, Ifa? Oh my god, my song choice. Ah, uh, okay. Okay, it's a difficult one because I love lots of different music. Um, but what's constantly on my Apple or Spotify playlist is the Cranberries. Mm. And of course, we have the classic Zombie. Mm. Absolutely adore that. Um, but I think um, something that always hits me differently is um, Linger. Mm. It's just amazing. Her voice, Dolores wow. Reardon. So unique. So unique. And every time I listen to it in the car, I'm just transported back to Ireland. Mm-hmm. I'm so sad. I have this RTE Top 100 Irish Songs playlist on oh, Spotify. Wow. And it has everything from Bewitched, Blame It on the Weatherman, remember that song? Yeah. Um, to Boyzone. <laughs> to, Love it, yeah. To things like Cranberries in the Coors. Um, yeah. And that's my little effort to play Irish music in the car for the kids so they can feel somewhere connected to yeah, and Irish culture. I suppose that brings a question up, if you don't mind me asking. How do you connect them to Ireland? Um, well, my mom does a good effort of sending Irish rugby jerseys. Aww. and They love tatoes. They love no tatoes. They love chickadees. My mom sends that. Um, they're definitely Irish. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, I try to talk to them about it um you you have to talk about your childhood you have mm. to talk about the places you were and get them excited about it um international day is always a good opportunity for them to to wear their irish gear yeah i was listening to your podcast that the irish society does dance lessons for kids it's like i must yeah. sign up later she'd love it yeah i hope they still do it but they did before covid yeah yeah i remember khaled was also saying to me like he asked me a couple of words in irish my kids think i'm fluent in irish oh. uh, <laughs> i can say Anwell kiadikum dul gudil me i go to the bathroom um but i would love the idea oh i wish that i was fluent in irish mm. you must be quite good you studied it I, I studied it, but I've been here nine years now. You know, it's like the immersion we spoke about earlier. Like, yeah, you have to go to the Gwail talk next summer. Yeah, like, I, I understand it, of course. But, like, I know my friend um, who I work with, she's fluent in Irish and she speaks Irish with her family. Oh, wow. And she kind of says to me, she goes, do I speak Irish today? And I actually just say, I'm like, no, I just couldn't be bothered. Like, with the brain I have enough Irish. Energy, you know? I have enough Irish to communicate, like... You, you, I'm sure you've done this. You're in the back of a taxi with another Irish friend. You're like, oh. Yeah, yeah 100%. I've done that. Around the world, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's like our secret code. It is. And it does come in handy then. But I do, like, I, I do need to make more of an effort, especially with my friend. Like, I should be taking her up on that offer and speak with her in Irish. But it's lazy, you know? It, I can We totally... have to be motivated to do these yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so my kids asked me for a couple of words in Irish and... You know, if they can say a couple of words, I'm yeah. happy. But and I would be of the same sentiment as you. I, I would love my own children, if I have them one day, to speak Irish as well. But yeah. I'm sure it's a different story. When you have them and you're a working mom, you know, I can it's totally... It's a different... It's a commitment. Like, yeah. my hat goes off to anyone who's raising bilingual, trilingual children. Yeah. I mean, they exist out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I... I it's just not feasible it's just not possible it takes a commitment maybe if i wasn't working if i was at home with them it could be a possibility but yeah are they learning arabic at school yeah they take arabic b so it's like arabic for foreigners right um because they have an irish passport and i couldn't force arabic a on them they would struggle um but that's great they're getting that immersion there you know uh, to an extent yeah yeah it's good for your husband's side really to kind of have that connection yeah of course of course um and 
yeah, I, I just hope that I, I would encourage them. I used to love languages growing up. I studied French and German for oh. my leaving cert. I did German first year of college and failed because of my grammar. So I had to repeat the exam. German grammar is hard. <gasps> I did it for my leaving cert. So bad. It's next level. So when I have yeah. German students in my class, I do try and say my German phrases and they laugh at me because I've got an <laughs> Irish accent saying them. <laughs> and my German teacher was Irish. Oh. Um, so yeah. I can't remember your question. We keep going off in tangents. No, it was just your favorite song. Oh, well, look at yeah. yeah, Linger. Well, so. I'll add that into the bio. Well, Aoife, I'm blown away. We've been speaking nearly two hours, but amazing. Like, you're a credit to yourself. Oh, thank you. I'd love to meet your husband and your children one day for sure. Inshallah, one day. Yeah, That'd no, because we're only, well, we're only half an hour away from each other. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And thank you so much for being yourself. I feel like you've been so authentic, so honest, Probably so too, open. Too honest. No, there's no such thing. No such thing. And you, you're you definitely have that sense of humor, and oh, you're just a breath of fresh air. Oh, thank yeah. you. Thank you so much. Thanks. Anytime. Thank you.